So this evening, um, let me welcome those that are worshiping with us for the very first time. Welcome to church. This is God's favorite house, and this is our midweek worship experience. Um, if you join us over the weekend, we have a service on Saturday evening and two on Sunday morning. We'll be able to welcome you properly. For those that are joining us online, welcome to church. Good evening. And those that are in church today, welcome again. And God bless you. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about money. Actually, we're going to be talking about um, investment. And it's, it's an interesting topic for me because I know next to nothing about investment. Okay, very little. But um, the reason why I'm sharing this is a personal message that the Holy Spirit gave me in church on Sunday. So Pastor Shola was praying and the Holy Spirit was talking to my heart and he said at some point in time, he said, you are my investment. And I, I, was, I was very confused about that because I, I would never think of myself... I mean, I know that he paid a price. I know that I mean a lot to God, you know, but I never thought of it in terms of investment. So what I'm going to be sharing with you is what was shared with me. It's a personal message, but I'll share it with you with the hope that there's someone in here that God wants to hear this for you to know that you are a precious investment. So we'll start. Amen. Praise God. So we'll start by defining um, what an investment is. And before we bring that definition, I'm going to ask if there's someone here that has ever done an investment before and wants to share what they think an investment is. So there's no right or wrong answer. We're all learning. Investment, I know the definition or I know the description and I want to share with the church. No one, no takers, I'll define, but then we'll come back to it. Investment can be defined as the investing of money or capital. Okay, I'll skip that. The first one is, because I'm looking at the outline. So it can be described as money committed. So the first um, space is money. Money committed or property acquired for future income. That's the dictionary.com um, definition of investment. So it says it's money committed or property acquired for future income. In economics, it's defined as and I'm still using businessdictionary.com in economics. So the first space will be economics. Investment means creation of capital or goods capable of producing other goods or services. And this is the working definition we'll probably use for this session. It says that it's the in, um, investment means creation of capital or goods capable of producing other goods or services. 
since um, we're still learning about investments, um, there are many types of investments. Three types we'll talk about here. The first is the one that you know all of us probably know and we invest in, ownership investment. So when we're talking about ownership investment, we're talking about when you buy shares, when you buy precious metals or objects and you keep it for future value, people that buy real estate, you know, to speculate that it will gain value in future. That is an ownership type of investment. But there are also lending types of investment and every, almost everybody in this room that has an account has this instrument. So when you have a savings account, you're actually lending money to the bank to give out to other people. So that is a lending investment. So if you buy bonds, people that buy federal government bonds, all those are lending investments. And there's some investments that are like cash. Like, you know, when you buy money market funds. So you go to a bank and you're like, I want to invest in the money market. It's a type of investment. The yield is usually lower, but it's quicker to exit. So that's the third kind of investment we're going to be talking about or, you know, that we're defining as part of investment. So what have we learned so far? Investment is the creation of capital and goods. This capital and goods are supposed to create something else. So I'm using the economics definition. We also know that there are different types. You can have ownership investment. You can have lending investment. You can have cash equivalent investment. Um, everyone that invests, you know, really is thinking about three things or should be thinking about three things. Put three things into consideration. The right timing to invest. Because it can be a right investment where you are you know, investing at the wrong time. You have to value it at the, you know, the right valuation. And you have to use the correct strategy to go into this kind of investment. For instance, um, it could be that your strategy is low risk. So you are going for low risk kind of investment because you want to be sure you'll get your money back. I'm going to stop now because I've been talking for a while and ask for examples of people that have invested in something that they thought it was good, but it turned out not to be good, if you want to share with us, or people that can tell us one thing that are probably missed out to talk about investment. We have to participate, too, because if we don't, I'll have to call people that I know have investments in this place. Volunteer or be volunteered? Okay. Please. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So before, just before I joined GFH, I attended a program at Lagos Business School. It was like a training in some sort of a few days. And I was pumped to start my own thing. I wasn't led by the Elizabeth, nothing. It was just something I liked to do. And then I kind of forced my husband into supporting me. Because the guy was like, are you... I just kept singing it, and we even went ahead to speak to families. They said we should look at our family first and ask them for money. So we, I looked at within the family, and we were able to raise almost two million naira, large sum. Of, how I got them to even believe it was crazy. I don't even know. Sorry. So we got this money. Then I opened a salon. 
and I, and then I I was still working, but the plan was for me to leave the job and focus on the salon. So I'd never done any business prior to that. I opened the salon and it was in a warehouse. It was very big, 13 stations, manicure stand, very beautiful. I can design, I designed it. It didn't make one, 10% of the money I borrowed. Then I joined GFH. And in January, I, I heard Engineering Your Dreams. And I was like, uh-oh. I remember speaking to you about it. And it was clear, go shut it down, we'll send you. To, so I'm wondering, how, how do I pay these people back? Then he says, yeah, so you pay back. Because I didn't order for it. You order, you pay. So that was clearly a very bad investment. But it taught me a lesson to start small and grow from there. Because... I started from the very. The, I started from what I was seeing in my head. I didn't even know I had to walk my way up there. Praise the Lord. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Thank you. Is there any other investment example? Just for us to be sure that um, we're on the same page regarding investment. We're going to stop talking about money now. We're going straight into the Bible, but um, it's important for us to understand the correlation between investment and what we're about to talk about. The fact that everyone seated here is an investment. You know, so Tutu shared with us about her high dreams, went into this business straight, you know, didn't check certain things. It's a learning experience. You've paid for school. Um, any other investment example? Or we're all clear, we know what investment is, yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, so I want to bring out a different perspective, and that's investing into relationships. I think that's an investment as well. So, um, I, in the past, I invested in certain kinds of relationships, and in retrospect, it was a total waste of time because um, those relationships were not productive relationships. They were draining. So, if I was to use it for my return on, in, return on investment, investment, it would have been a very bad beginning. Mostly because those relationships are not relationships that are taking me anywhere. You know, like a, a single investing in a relationship that not leads to marriage is a bad investment. Um, investing in relationship with people that don't have the vision, um, trying to put this in a very subtle way, do not have the God vision, is a wasted investment because they eventually would lead you down the path of perdition. Praise okay. God. Thanks for sharing. Let's clap for him now. <laughs> okay, so one thing is clear. We all, when we all think about investment, we want to put X in and at the end get X plus. Right? So whatever kind of investment it is, whether it's in a relationship, whether it's a lending kind of investment, you put 10,000 naira in your savings account. At the end of the year, you want to meet 10,000 plus something. That's the whole point of you doing it in the first place. You invest in a business, you want to put something and get more. Remember that definition that says it's capable of producing other goods. That's the whole point of investing. So let's just use that simple definition. Putting money into something to be able to get more of that something. I think that um, God I don't know. And the parable of the three servants is a great example of how God sees investing or return on investment. 
I believe that God is not a wasteful God. I believe that um, his perspective towards everything and us is that I invest in you, but then you should bring fruit. Right? So we'll read the parable of the three servants because, I mean, we've been reading a lot in church recently, but I think it's a fantastic example to illustrate this point. It's in Matthew 25, 14 to 29. I'll be reading it in the NLT version. They'll put it up on the screen. But I can read. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, divided it, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Here, this man had invested. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. Sorry. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I'll give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant, give it to the one with 10 bags of silver, Verse 29, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Reading the same story, just verse 24 in um, the message verse, version. You know, the, the servant giving 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards. And I prefer really this illustration. You have high standards and you hate careless ways. That you demand the best and you make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. We know the end of the story. I think his description here of God is mostly correct. 
God has high standards. He hates careless ways. He's very careful with resources. And he expects the resources that he hands over to us to multiply. And now I've moved completely away from money. I'm really talking about our lives and the gifts God gives to us. If I go back to the outline to be sure I'm on track, number three says, or question three says, um, I want to be sure that we filled it. The parable of the three servants is a great example of how God sees investing. That was the blank. Or return on investment. So we go to four now. God always expects a multifold return on investment. Always. The same way when you give to God, it gives you multifold, is the way God always expects a multifold return on investment. Before we proceed, does anyone want to define return on investment for me or for us? What is return on investment in everyday terms? Okay, we're quiet, so I'll start volunteering people because I have the mic. And because the camera is on, when I call your name, you'll have to answer. Any volunteers? No. Ibitunde, please define or describe return on investment for us. Return on investment, that's like if the name implies return on investment, what you get after you've invested. So you can have a positive return if the investment is going good or you can have a negative return if it's going bad. Okay. Thanks for sharing. So return on investment, like he explained, is when you put money somewhere and you get or into something and you get more money. Well, sometimes it can be negative return, but we're only speaking about the positive return now. And I'm not talking about nospecto or what um, Yoruba people call sogundo goji. That is um, greed. We're talking about you know, putting money into legitimate, you know, businesses that have found sound um, fundamentals and getting back from it. It's not only money. Sometimes it's capital. Sometimes it's goods. What we're saying is God always expects a multifold return, positive return on investment. When God invests in a life, is expecting some good things to come out of that life. And why do we say so? Because of the story in Matthew 13, 1 to 12. We're still reading NLT. Later that day, later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. He sat there and taught as many people um, that stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Some seed fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil. 
And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. I'll skip to 12. To those that listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Sometimes when you read these verses, it looks as if, um, we know God is a faithful and a, good, and a good God, but it looks as if the people that don't have enough, you know, it's as if they're even going to collect, it's not as if, that's what the Bible is saying. They're going to collect the little they have and give to those that have more. Why do we think God acts this way? Why do we think it's important to God to see high increase? We're not really talking about money right now. Why? Why do we think it's important to God? Why would God say to the ones that, that listen to my words and understand, more understanding will be given to them, to them that don't listen, the little they have will be taken away. Why would God say to the man, um, the servant with the one talent that he did, bring it and give it to the one with ten? Why do we think that's happening? Yes, Pastor Richard. I think you, you already answered the, the question. Yeah. It's like the return on investment. God is not prodigal with the resources. He's not wasteful with resources and he is a productive God. So if he gives, for example, using the parable of the seed, if he gives the seed or he gives a, a word and some people grab it with understanding and some other people refuse or block, them, block themselves out from understanding, the one that has the understanding has the likelihood of multiplying it for other people to benefit from it. But the one that refuses to apply themselves to understanding will eventually waste. And, you know, it's like what pastor will usually say, get all you can and can all you get. So no one is taking back from that thing God has given to you. I don't think God has time for that. So <laughs> just take it from you and give it to the man that can be productive. Praise God. Okay. Debbie's trying to contribute. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, um, I think about it this way, that God knows the quality of what he's putting out there. So he knows that this seed I'm giving is going to yield results. So for the people that invest themselves in that word, he knows that guaranteed their lives will be changed. People will see them and their testimonies and be drawn to him. But the people that refuse to do that, then they won't have those results. So those things will be taken away from them. Thank you. Thank you. You're both right. <laughs> okay, um, okay, I'll say um, what came to mind when you asked that question was, I think it's tied back to the beginning when God said we should multiply. I think God isn't big about multiplying and reproducing. That's what I think. I agree with what they said, but I also think it ties down to God doesn't like things to be stagnant. He likes growth, reproduction. Things should flow, you know, basically. That's what I think. Okay. Thank you. Everyone that has spoken is correct. Is there any other contribution to this? Irene.
Hallelujah. We can't hear you. Hello? Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. I think we learn a lot from consequences. So I think um, if, if it's not taken away from the, the ones that don't get learned or do anything with it, if it's not taken from them, there's no consequence. So they don't actually even learn from what hasn't been done, what they've missed out on. Okay. Well, I agree with everything else, but I also think that we learn a lot from consequences. From consequences. So God probably wants us to learn from a consequence of not doing what he would expect us to do. I agree. Thank you. Can we clap for all of them? <laughs> all wonderful contributions. So it's true. I mean, God is a God. He's not prodigal. He wants us to multiply. He believes in return on investment. When he invests in someone or something, he's expecting a particular return not because he needs the return. We all know that the God we're talking about here does not need anything from anyone. But because the return, the fact that it produces or reproduces is extremely important. And Debbie mentioned about it a bit for the world to see the glory of the Lord. Now, if your own soil is the soil that reproduces 100 or even 60, and somebody's soil is the soil that is not reproducing anything, going to what Irene said, it's more profitable for that to be taken away from that person that is not producing and given to the person that will do 100 from one seed. Okay, and this, this for me, I don't think I've really stopped thinking about it since Sunday because it's huge. It's huge because the, the same God that gave the seed or that produces 100 is the same God that gave the seed to the person that produced zero. So what side do you want to be on? The problem is not with the seed. The problem is the person that the seed was given to. So what kind of life do we want to have? Is it the life that when seed comes into it, it multiplies hundredfold or two hundredfold? Or we want to have a life that, God forbid, nobody in this room, I won't even finish the sentence. <laughs> Amen. Number six says we are God's, number five, we are God's precious investment. And, and for us to bring this to light, you, you want to contribute? You have a question. Okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, my question is from number four. Um, I'm, I'm looking at a scenario where, I'm looking at a scenario where a person whom God has invested in yes. actually returns, a, actually um, ends up with a negative return, whereas he made a genuine attempt to have a positive return. Um, what happens? Does God, um, how would I put this now? Does God look at the intention mm -hmm. only, or would God take away the investment completely from the person, or would God give the person another chance, like another opportunity to make a positive return. I think I have a question. I have an answer to your question, but I wanted to shed a bit more light. So when you say God invested in someone and the person had a negative return, how? What kind of investment? Do you have a particular example you're talking about? Or this is just hypothetical? Uh, it's more of hypothetical, but if, if we were to look at it from a real life, how would I put it? Like a real life scenario. Let's take man, man to man, mm -hmm. for example. Okay, you've um, you, 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 a person is rich, or, okay, let me say I'm rich, 
I have, I have some money Amen. and I'm able to pay for someone's school fees, right? I put the person through school. I pay off the school fees and the person actually makes attempt to study in school, but things, he just, he just isn't able to pass as well as I expect him to pass, okay. basically. Now, humanly, you would want to say my money is being wasted. That's what would come to mind. My money is being wasted. But I'm trying to imagine if that was God, what would be his reaction, basically? Okay. Um, I guess it depends on the scenario. I don't think um, someone that failed an exam or failed, didn't do as well, you know, is a total waste of money. I think that there's some redemption there. But if we follow strictly what the scripture says, and it's not, this example is a bit, um, doesn't quite fit, because, you know, what you're asking was really hypothetical. But to go strictly to what scripture says about this, to the person that was prodigal with the resources, it will be taken and be given to the person that is productive with resources. But I'm not, this, um, my answer is not specific to someone failing exams. Okay? But maybe by the time we get to the end, we'll be able to talk about this again. So I'm going to check to see if we're on the same page by the time we get to the end. Cool? Good. So we're at the part when we're talking about us being God's precious investments. That's number five. And to elucidate this point, I asked, is the slide going to come up? There's a page that's supposed to come up about, so I was reading about precious investments. Um, we'll get, it'll come up. But before it comes up, I wanted to know what the most expensive um, share was in the world. And it says, Investopedia says, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway um, is the most expensive single share at 90 million naira per share. So when we think about private companies, that the most expensive share, now we're talking about, we've gone back to talking about investing, is some company in um, Chile where each share of the country of the company is 900 million naira the equivalent of 900 million naira that's about 2.5 million dollars yet that investment where you buy one share of a company for 900 million naira is not as expensive as the investment god made in your life you are worth more than 1 million stocks of 900 million naira each. <laughs> so I wanted to read about precious stones and watches. And, and this site gave us, you know, ridiculous amounts for things that will fade away, that will not make heaven. <laughs> A wristwatch that costs 25 million naira. Hope Diamond that is 200 million, so, sorry, dollars. Hope Diamond that is 200 million dollars. Some diamond, actually Google the pictures of these things to find out if I see them, you know, whether they will look like the money looks. All those things are expensive, but the investment God made in you is much more expensive than any of those things you see there. Those things are guarded with multiple security. 
sensors. When you walk into the store, Lisa is checking if you are moving towards the uh, diamond to pick it up. You are much more expensive to God than these things. That's why the Bible says he will give his angels charge over you. Because what is walking on that road and sitting on this chair here is more expensive than $200 million. You are an investment. And if you don't begin to see that, it took me a while to understand what the Holy Spirit was saying to me. But I accept it. I am an investment. An investment that was paid for with a lot, with the blood of Jesus. Let's go into the scripture. 1 Peter 1.18 um, says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the em empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid for with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Somebody say, I am a precious investment. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to them that he has called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. If you are in this room and you really believe you are a precious investment, you believe that the blood that was shed for you, for you to be here, for you to be reconciled to God, is incomparable. It cannot be measured. If you really believe that, I want you to shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. So not only are we a precious investment, we're going now to number six. Actually, I think I've skipped one. So number six actually says, however, they're not as expensive an investment than you are. Sorry. So the gap there was expensive. All those things, all those diamonds and stuff like that, all those shares that cost 900 million per share, they're not as expensive an investment as you are. Number... Um, seven. We are more than a long-term investment. We are an eternal investment. It is forever and ever. It will never end. When people buy things, when people invest, they want to exit that investment. I buy a house. I'm hoping that one day I'll probably, if I buy it for investment, I'm hoping that I will sell it and get triple the value or whatever. Anything I invest in, I'm checking the shares of stocks every day to make sure that, okay, it's gone up and I can properly exit it. That's usually what people do with investment. But the God that invested in us, in our lives, he entered it forever and ever. You are an eternal investment. He has no plans of selling you, no matter how your value increases. 
He's with you forever. Even before you were born, he had chosen to invest in you eternally. The Bible says this. <laughs> Amen. Ephesians 2, 4-7 says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages, all future ages forever, as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As, sh as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. His plan for us is internal. Jeremiah 31.3 says, Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Amen. Number eight or question eight. Essentially, God will never let go of his investment in our lives. Never let go is what the blank space is. Essentially, God will never let go of our investment in our, his investment in our lives. We see that in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. The New Living Translation um, version of the Bible says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that has been kept in heaven for you, pure and defiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive his salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. We won't read the second verse. We can read it later at home. John 10, 27 to 13. Um, maybe we should just read verse 29 because it's very, it means a lot to me. The Bible says, for, the, for my father has given them to me. And he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hands. It's impossible for anyone to snatch you from God's hands. Because of the eternal love that he has for you. And he had for you even before you were born. I guess I should ask this question. You know, if you have any Bible verse that means this to you. This Bible verse that I just read, where it says that no one can snatch me from God's hand, is an assurance. It's an assurance that the God that loves me is more powerful than anyone else. You know, so it's impossible for anybody to snatch me from him. So that's my personal assurance. Does anybody have any Bible verse that they want to share that elucidate this point? The point that you are, you know, God is never going to let you go. Any Bible verses? 
Basically, the only way that you can be separated from God is if you walk away from God. May we never walk away from God. It's not possible for anyone to snatch you away from God. That's, that's what the Bible says. You know? The only way, the only way we can be let go of is if we willingly walk away. God will never let you go. You are that important. Now that we've laid the basis, the foundation of what an investment is, how some investments are expensive, how you are more expensive than any expensive investment, how God will never let you go, how the love for God that God has for you is eternal. I think it's time to force to start talking about our role in this. Number question 10 says, now that we have a little idea of how precious an investment is, we should also remember that every investment has a responsibility. It's all well and good that Jesus died for our sins. He paid with something that can never be bought, the precious blood of Jesus, the sinless blood of Jesus. It's all well and good to know that God loves us, loves us so much, nothing can snatch us away from him. But it's also good for us to know our responsibilities and really that's the crux of what we're talking about today. Every other thing is a preamble. Does anyone want to guess or share or from their perspective talk about what could possibly be a responsibility of someone that God has invested in? No right or wrong answers. What do you think your responsibility is? Or your responsibilities are? You've been paid for with a huge price. Where are the mics, please? Okay, we'll start from here. One, two, three, four, well, five. Someone that um, our Lord Jesus Christ has invested on. So what God needed from such person is for us to worship him, exalt him, magnify his name, bless his holy name, and you praise him for what he has done for us, most especially um, um, the word of God says, while we are yet sinner, our Lord Jesus Christ came and he died for us. It's a huge uh, thing that Christ has done on our behalf. So, we have to respond by worshiping him, praising him, exalting him, and magnifying his name. Amen. 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 I think at number six, join us. Thank you. Please, let's encourage. Number two. Number four. Okay, maybe we should. Something is wrong with that mic. So number two couldn't participate. 
the kind of fourth talk. Yes, yes, please. Okay. please sorry. I think one of the things, one of our responsibility as the person who God has invested so much on is to bear fruit. You know, God has invested so much for and he expects results. And so we should produce fruit, knowing the kind of person who God is and the things he expects of us, we should reproduce that. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you. Can we encourage encourage her, please? Okay. Okay, so I'm taking it back to where Grandma stopped when she said Jesus Christ died for us. Yes. And so that's God's investment in us. Yes. So God having given his only son yes. to die for us, and what Jesus gave us through his death is salvation. Yes. So our responsibility to grow that investment is to work out that salvation with fear and trembling. So we were saved by grace, but we need to work out our salvation day after day. Okay, round of applause. <laughs> We've skipped someone here. We'll come back to you, Ma. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Um, I think one of the responsibilities as um, an investment is we are supposed to walk in Christ Jesus as walking in his footsteps. Then we are also expected to walk for him. That's do the work of him that sent us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Someone that God has invested on by sending Jesus to die for our sins, yes. we are expected to preach the gospel. And this could be done by telling people about Jesus mm -hmm. with, the, uh, with the, way the words of mouth, your character, that's the way you live your life, yes. sharing tracts, inviting people to church. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that our fruit should remain. Amen. Let's clap for them now. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, as God, God's own investment, yes. I believe that, um, sorry, taking me back to the meaning of investment, mm -hmm. I'll just take the last part. It says, of producing other goods or services. Yes. The death of Christ to us is like a service. So, I mean, well, if you should look at it that way. So, I believe that Apart from producing fruits, yes. our life should be a service to other people. Okay. Producing, like giving help okay. to people, understanding that you, you gave this example of um, how expensive other investments are. Yes. And you said we are more expensive than that. Yes. So helping people realize that they also are more expensive than the large companies. So it's also another way to take responsibility of the investment that God has, God has planted in us. Is that planted? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Fortune. Um, um, I think basically, just to put this in a nutshell, our major responsibility is to be filled with the life of Christ, released into our <laughs> destinies, <laughs> and taking the word for him. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Do we miss anyone out? Oh, sorry.
Good evening. Good evening. Okay, what comes to mind as we talk about this is um, uh, when Pastor spoke about nature and nurture. So I want to look at investment in the context of um, having a gifting. All right, so you have a gifting from God, and then you need to actually work at that gifting, work at that um, talent or that skill that you have till it becomes, um, till you nurture it till it becomes productive, and, and then it um, gives results or income. And I want to tie it to what that gentleman said earlier, the question he asked. When God makes an investment, I think he sees the end from the beginning. When he deposits something in a person, he already sees the outcome. Yeah. So whether or not that investment fails or succeeds is now left for the person because God knows that, of course, it will succeed. Mm -hmm. So there are two sides to it. From what he said, there are actually two sides. There's an investment that a man makes. When someone sends you to school, that's a human investment. Mm -hmm. The person doesn't see the end from the beginning. Mm -hmm. But when God deposits something in you, he's the alpha and omega. He sees the end. So if it fails, it's in your hand. You didn't, you didn't do your, your, your part. Thank you. Thank you. Round of applause, please. Okay, we have one more contribution, and that will be the last one on, for this question. Okay. You will be. Okay. Good evening. Yes. Good evening. As I was talking, something came to mind about, you know, what the gentleman had said earlier. Because when he was talking, I could... Um, identify what we're saying, even though it was um, just raising um, a hypothetical example. So what comes to mind, you know, with regards to investment is that we come in different shapes and sizes in terms of our uh, character make. And so, for example, a strong-willed person, you know, some people might not, you know, appreciate that character. But the truth of the matter is God doesn't make mistakes. Mm -mm. That person, if channeled properly, can use that strong-willed nature to glorify God. So a person who is struggling, who is not um, guided well or guarded, might use that investment. But because he or she is not, you know, probably, you know, mentored and whatnot, may not be able to channel it. You know, for example, we're saying Nigeria, Nigeria. We need strong-willed people to stand for God in Nigeria, mm -hmm. to stand firm, contrary to what, you know, you know, what we see in government, you know. So I think that, so we have strong-willed people that may not be channeling, you know, what they have, yeah. you know, in the context that will glorify God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Yeah, so, so you're right, and by channeling will probably mean yielding it to God because what could be strong-willed can really be tenacious. So that person will never give up. If they say, oh yeah, who is going to Zampara or Mubi to go and evangelize? It doesn't matter if they're throwing stones at that person because it's, it's, the character is strong-willed and is yielded it to Christ, it can then be seen as tenacity. That's your point, right? Okay, thank you. Okay. Also, I, I, I want to see, I want to look at um, this um, whole investment of a thing from the dimension of a like, like buying stocks. Buying stocks, yeah, okay. Just, and, um, and the stock you purchase, you expect it to appreciate. It yeah. either appreciates or depreciates. Or depreciates. So there's something it is when um, God you know, 
for sisters that we uh, his investment there yes. is a place I remember that God said I mean that my people perish because of lack of knowledge and even the second verse in Hosea said because they have also rejected knowledge yes uh, so uh, in other words it's like saying that what will make this my investment perish because he has rejected knowledge so from our own part uh, for us to uh, we always appreciate in the eyes of God in value is when we are open to know more about him in order to become like him who is also productive if not we may think that we made we are doing it right but after that working hard it may be that we are depreciating <laughs> so it's very important that we open to knowledge and the, all of these things we are doing you know keep on studying the word of god to know about we only help you to appreciate in the eyes of God and become more valuable and productive before him. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. Fantastic contributions. Everyone makes sense, should be adopted. But for the purposes of the time we have here, we'll talk about these three that we found in um, John 15, 5 to... We'll read 5 to 7, we'll read 8, and then we'll read 16. But all John chapter 15. The answer to question 11 is that the first responsibility is to abide in Christ. And a lot of you said it in different ways. And we find that in John um, 15, 5 to 7, the Bible says, um, Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. We will not be burned in Jesus' name. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Amen. Abiding by worshiping, abiding by serving, abiding by learning more about him, abiding by following him, definitely accepting him as our Lord and Savior, living a relationship life with God abiding that's our first responsibility as an investment he bought us with a price not for us to be hanging around with someone the enemy that didn't pay anything for you at least jesus gave god gave his son jesus what did the enemy give in return for your life nothing so we owe allegiance loyalty to he that invested in us the first thing we do is to abide amen the second responsibility, and now we're at 12, is to bear fruit for Christ. And more than one person said it. We must bear fruit for Christ. We must reproduce in kind. And this reproduction is really about souls, about bringing other people to him. The reason why he's invested in us is for us to bring more of us. I'm, I'm going back to the definition, the economics definition. that says investment means creation of capital or goods capable of producing other goods or services. You are that investment. Your investment is supposed to bear fruit by bringing more of you to the person that invested in you. So bearing fruits is the second responsibility. To show, you know, 
I mean, the responsibility we have to the person that invested in us is to bear fruit. John 15, 8 says, when you produce more fruit, much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. In other ways, if you don't produce much fruit, the converse is the case. The third responsibility as we close now, we go to the Q&A section, is that your fruit must abide. So it's not only about abiding in Christ. It's not only about bearing fruit. It's that this fruit must abide. John 15, 16, Bible says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so you can go and bear fruit. And that that fruit shall remain, should remain. That fruit must remain. That is our third responsibility to the person that invested in us. Finally, we know that it's the dawn of a new day in church, in our church, in our community. We know that. But what does the dawn of a new day have to do with investment and bearing fruit? What is the correlation between the dawn of a new day and investment? I found that correlation in um, Acts 13, 47. But before we read Acts 14, 37, um, 13, 47, let's read Isaiah 60, which is really saying, we know it, arise Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine upon you. That's the dawn we're on right now. God is shining his light upon us. But why is God shining his light upon us? Remember that at the beginning we said God is not prodigal. He just doesn't do things. So why would God say it's a dawn of a new day? Why would God want to shine his light on you? That answer for me I found in Acts 47. The Bible says, For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. My submission is that the reason why God has called forth a new dawn in our lives, my submission is that the reason why God is shining his light upon each and every person here, that the thing he's doing is not only for you. It is because he wants what, hap- what he has said in 13 Acts 47 to be true. So that people can see you and they can be drawn to the God, the God that invested in you. So the whole thing is a full circle. It's a dawn of a new day so that you can rise and shine, so that you can reproduce. So if you don't key into the dawn of a new day, if you don't rise and shine, then your, your return of investment is impacted. Really, you have no choice. God is shining his light on you. Whatever you are, whatever you do, whatever sphere, student, worker, I don't know, you have to rise up. You have to shine. Because you're not shining for yourself. You're shining for the people God wants to bring to himself. And it is when they see the glory of God upon you that they will be attracted to the God that invested in you. Amen.
So we go to our commitment before we ask. No, sorry, I'm supposed to ask for question and answers. Who has any question? We all know what investment is now. Oh, hello. <laughs> There's a question here. Praise God. Hallelujah. Talking about investment and uh, return. Um, with the example we cite. Okay. To the soul, Christ died for me. And uh, at some point, I gave my life to Christ. And I want to ask, shouldn't he have just been okay? Just remain cool in church, give my life to Christ, you know? Must I go out there to say, Jesus loves you? Because I'm still at that traffic lane where I'm still struggling with stuff. Um, sometimes, uh, going outside the four walls of the church, I am breezed with my challenge, contentious going inside of my heart. Most times, that's why when I'm in church, I dance not because I'm a saint. I have stuff struggling with. But, that's the only time I just got, I felt, you know what? Every other thing is competing for attentions uh, in my heart. A lot of battle ranging in my heart. So shouldn't he have just been okay? I give my life to Christ and just be cool and be in church. I mean, going out there to talk to someone who, who has always known me, I mean, perhaps even now that I'm not a, a Christian, still see me in some places, you know, because... I believe it's not copy and paste. There are some stuff I've been able to leave. There's some I'm struggling with. Sometimes it's just, can I do this? Can I continue? Or should I? Because sometimes I don't want to, want to look, make it look as if I appear like an hypocrite. No, okay. Shouldn't it have just been okay? I gave my life to Christ. I'm in church, remain cool, listen to the word of God, and gradually try to make, uh, overcome some flaws and some things like that. Must I go out and must I be saddled with those huge responsibilities? I'll summarize your question, and I'm going to ask someone, because that, that's the whole point of everything we've spoken about today. So I'm going to ask somebody else to answer that question. Your question is, why is it not good enough for you to just give your life? Why do you have to go out and reproduce? Because after all, your life is not perfect yet. So the question is to all of us, why is it not good enough to just take your investment and keep it with yourself? Do you want to answer? Oh, someone wants to answer. Why is it not good enough? Bright, Brother Bright wants to know why it's not good enough to just take the investment and be calm with it. Um, I'll, I'll try to be, to be very brief. Yes. But, I mean, it's not an answer that you can just, I mean, get a, I mean, a question and get a straight answer. Yes. It needs to come to NCR. First of all, please start NCR. Yeah, because what he just said is it's a struggle. Yes, and um, one of our responsibilities is knowing who we are. Yes, when you are saved and you know who you are, it becomes easier to live the life that um, God expects you to live. To live the life that God wants you to live. So. The issue of struggling, everybody struggles with yes. different things. But yes. the fact is, when you know who you are, it becomes easier to walk in faith. Yes. So, I mean, it's, it's a long one, so it's best to come to NCR. 
Okay. So, Brother Bright, we, everybody is there. I don't think, well, maybe some people feel as if they've gotten there and they don't feel that inadequacy. Or when you, you meet someone that you used to know in your old life and you're thinking, this person is going to be judging me. I think everybody goes through that. But it is in going out in, that, in, in faith and it's in speaking about it that we get perfected. If we sit down and we feel we're not good enough, that's what the enemy is going to be saying to us. We will never be good enough. But you see, God that saved you and told you to go and talk to somebody else, he knows exactly everything you are. You are. Even the things we don't see. He sees the private thoughts in your heart. Yet he's still saying, go and tell the whole world about me. So the, my answer to you would be, go and tell the whole world, even though you are not perfect yet, God will perfect you. But also join NCR. Because it lets you know who you are and the fact that we really don't earn this salvation. It's given to us. But we have a responsibility when we know who we are to out of love live life in a certain way because we love our maker. I hope I helped. Yes, sir. I'll just try to answer in under a minute. To, uh, I would... I would Ask a bride to imagine a car that he buys. He spends a great deal of money and he buys a car. And he parks the car at home. Then he now wants to go to church from his house. And he wants the car to take him there. And the car wonders at him. Why? Is it not good enough that I sit in this garage? Why? Okay. On that note, there's really nothing to add to that beautiful illustration. But, um, Brother Bright, we'll talk after after service. The whole point of this message is for us to know we're paid for with an expensive price and we have responsibilities because of this price. Okay, someone wants to contribute. We're, we're overrunning, so that'll probably be the last contribution. Okay, right after you will stop, please, so that people can get home on time. Hey, good evening, church. Good evening. All right, I just want to share with us what, um, what I have running in my head right now. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Okay, uh, here, um, taking it back to number four, yes. where we have God always expects a, a multifold return on investment. Yes. Uh, here, I think um, God, I think here, faith also has a play. I think uh, faith also has a play here. Okay, faith. Um, yeah, faith. Okay. Yes, please. Um, obviously, it, it takes courage for us to want to invest in something. Yes. Into something. And here, I think uh, bringing it down to the spiritual, yes. God obviously wants, uh, wants us to um, grow in faith, yes. like taking a step of faith yes. to uh, acquire more. Okay. And they're taking it back to um, the Bible passage uh, that's in Matthew chapter 25, yes. um, where the, the master, st when, when, he was actually, when he was furious with the, with the servant, yes. he stated that uh, it's criminal. To act cautiously, he yes. stated something like that. So yeah. God obviously doesn't want us to keep to us what we have. He wants us to let it go, to get more, to yes. get that manifold yes. um, uh, returns. We definitely yeah. have to let it go, let go what you have currently yes. to get to get more. Okay. So 
I just hope I'm still on track. Like, you having faith to get more? I think you're on track as well. And I think you might also have answered this question. Because him letting go and trusting God, working out in faith, will make him realize that salvation is not really about him and his perfect life. Salvation is about God that is working through him to save the person. There's, okay, so you'll be our last contributor and we'll just pray. Good evening, church. Good evening, sir. I believe the reason why we were saved is for us to go out and preach the gospel. Absolutely. Then um, God has his own part to play. Yes. Then also we have our, our own part to play. Yes. So without that, it cannot be complete. No. Somebody talked to me. That was how I was born again. Yes. And I have to also talk to another person so that he can come to the house. Yes. I believe this is my little contribution. Thank you. It's an awesome contribution. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. So let's commit. Let's just say this little prayer of commitment. You know that these words will not just be heard and we forget about investment. That we will remember that God paid an awesome price for us. And that our light will shine. So the commitment here is I commit... I commit. (laughs) Okay, let's start all over again. I commit to let my light shine in everything I do so people can see my life and be drawn to my God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Take it up,